We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in Bears fans to a new episode of the Bear Report Podcast. It is the middle of January. The NFL playoffs are still going on. We have three games left of football, two this weekend for conference championships, and then the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. I'm one of your hosts of the podcast, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. It's been a couple weeks since uh, we've done an episode. But Aaron, how you feeling, man? Doing all right. Uh, it's kind of like we were talking about before we started recording this thing. It's, you know, surprisingly, there's actually been a decent amount of Bears news go on, and obviously we'll we'll get into all that. But uh, for still being in the middle of the playoffs, uh, you know, and the offseason technically hasn't started yet until the Super Bowl ends and all that, it's like, I mean, there's been, been a pretty good amount of stuff to talk about. So at least this won't be one of those where we're beating a dead horse or we don't have much to talk about. So that's a plus. Yeah, actually, some surprising news, like the amount of it that we've gotten over the past, what, two weeks here. Normally, this is pretty much a dead period. I mean, last year at this time, Nagy and Pace had their ending, you know, season-ending press conference, and, you know, all of us on our mind had, hey, this is going to be a Super Bowl contending team. Not, not obviously didn't happen, and now the Bears making some coaching changes. Uh, you know, Kyle Long's announcement on Twitter, there was a contract extension and the big news today about the uh, about Bourbon A and training camp. But yeah, man, I mean, we only have a couple games of football. And, you know, last night, college football playoff championship, I don't know how much you watched of that. I was kind of splitting it. Um, the wife likes to watch The Bachelor, so we had the two screens going on. But man, it's just sad to know that, like, we don't, you know, we have these next three games and then we don't have football until September. Uh, but did you get a chance to catch that college game last night? 
I did. Uh, went against every instinct I had in my body, um, especially after LSU. I, and I knew that I knew LSU was going to smoke Oklahoma, but I was hoping it was going to be at least close until halftime. And obviously that wasn't the case. But it's really hard to skip out on a game when there's so much NFL caliber talent out on the field, and especially the two quarterbacks. I mean, obviously Burrow's going to come out, um, and Lawrence still has a year left. But to basically, I mean, at least in my opinion, to watch two of the top quarterbacks coming out of these next two draft classes go head to head. And it's almost a testament, at least in my mind, it was almost a testament to how good Joe Burrow has looked because, I mean, he just, uh, he was, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about it, you know, even with like Trubisky and stuff like that. And, you know, when you make the comparisons, uh, but when you, at least when I watch Burrow, I mean, he is actually reading defenses. He's going through his progressions. I mean, he is very, very, very advanced uh, for a quarterback his age and for a quarterback still in college. And, and honestly, I kind of thought he, and I'm sure probably most people thought this too, but I, I thought that he looked worlds better than uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, and it's, but so it was definitely interesting to see. Like I said, there's a lot of NFL talent there. Um, there's definitely going to be quite a bit of first round talent. Obviously the Bears don't have a first round pick, at least as of now, but uh, I do think that Burrow solidified himself as the number one overall pick going to the Bengals. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, God, watching that game last night, I mean, he made some big boy NFL throws like that um, that route to the end zone where he just put the ball in the perfect spot. I believe it was Randy Moss's kid who had who had who came down with the catch, the second one he had in the game. Um, yeah, Burrow just looks all the part. And it's not like Burrow, you know, the offensive line is just flat out dominant like we've seen in college football. You know, you get these quarterbacks who are like, the offensive line is just huge. They're going to dominate the defensive lines. That wasn't the case. I mean, it, you know, he was under pressure a couple times. He escaped the pocket, kept his eyes down the field the entire time, made some really damn good throws. And, yeah, he's going to be number one overall pick. He looks like a franchise quarterback. And then, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he had a bad game. That was probably his worst game um, of his career, probably even dating back to, like, Pop Warner football because, I mean, well, he's won, hasn't lost in two years in, in college, probably didn't lose a lot in high school. And then, you know, going back to Pop Warner – it was probably the last time he lost, but it was like, man, every time you watched him on offense, it was like he was overthrowing receivers, and they even brought up the graphic, which I've never seen this before. They brought up the graphic of, like, overthrowing receivers, and he had 13 overthrows they counted, which was just mind-blowing. But, I mean, you know, Lawrence is going to be the number one pick in the 2021 draft. I'd be absolutely shocked if he wasn't. I think, you know, college football is going to be a reckoning year for him next season. I think he's just going to go through, and, and Clemson is going to be the favorite to win it all because they're, they're returning so much talent, including Trevor Lawrence. So we'll see. It just sucks college football is over because it was such a fun year again. Um, but, you know, with a new year here that we got started, that means a new ad read, Aaron. So I'm going to get right into this ad read. We're going to talk some bears after this um, and update everyone, all of our listeners, on the latest. Before we do that, though, if you're living with chronic pain or anything like that, you know, feeling discomfort, it can affect your whole life, your everyday living. I'm sure many of the listeners here have had some type of pain that's prevented them from relaxing, sleeping, or even stopped them from exercising. New year, you have those new goals. You want to get out there, exercise, get your body in shape. You can't do that if you have that chronic pain. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter Cryomax Freeze. If you're looking to get rid of the, of the nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while preventing that long-lasting recovery, you're going to need to try the new breakthrough methods. Cryo-free CBD roll-on oil developed by Omax Health 
is the best option. This non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on is specifically formatted to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is 100% natural. You've heard of all the CBD stuff going on right now. This CBD-powered remedy works as magic within 10 minutes of the application. The best part about it is lasts up to eight hours, which is a lot more than all the -the over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering our listeners on the Bear Report podcast 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze CBD pain oil re- relief roll-on plus free shipping. This t- discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter the code OVERTIME. That's promo code OVERTIME on omaxhealth.com, O-M-A-X health.com. Enter OVERTIME. Get 20% off site-wide. Highly recommend it. Um, go check them out right now. Aaron, all right. So last time we talked, we got that ad, ad read out of the way. Last time we talked here, um, you know, we kind of broke down the, the season for the Bears. But there's been some pretty big news, significant news these past two weeks um, with with the franchise and players, coaching hires. I want to start with the news that came out today as we're recording here on Tuesday night. The Bears said goodbye to Bourbon A. Um, they sent out the press release this afternoon that they're moving training camp to Hallis Hall beginning this year. So all July and August practices will be at Hallis Hall for the Bears. They're going to open it up a little bit to the public. I imagine it's going to be very limited. But I think you're going to agree with me here. You know, the Bears just recently renovated Hallis Hall. They spent a lot of money to renovate Hallis Hall. Um, I got to look at all the new facilities as a, on a tour this was pretty evident. I mean, we all could see this kind of coming once they announced the, re- the renovations. It, I mean, do you agree with that? I do. Um, I think from a logistic standpoint for the Bears, a lot of teams are doing this. You know, right? you know this isn't anything new. Uh, and this is something that I think a lot of Bears fans have kind of seen the writing on the wall. Uh, not being local to the area, um, I don't have quite as maybe as much of a, an attachment to bourbon a is a lot of bears fans that go every year what i will say is some of the most fun times that i've had in my life covering the team and being you know being a part of you know going to a game or anything to do with professional football has been at bourbon a the two years that i went uh, definitely kicking myself for not going this last year uh i, I honestly i kind of want to go because I thought the Bears were going to be a Super Bowl team, but that's not the point here. Uh, but at least, you know, it, it, at least they got nice facilities. Um, you know, the, the reality of this situation is, and they kind of, you know, they kind of skirted around it a little bit when they, when they made their announcement today is this is going to limit fans exposure to the team in training camp. I mean, there's just really no way around it. Like this is going to be a situation where you're not going to be able to stack in, what, you know, five, 10,000 fans and, you know, have all this availability. And I'm sure this is something the Bears have wanted to do for quite a while. I mean, ever since Ryan Pace has stepped in, we thought it was John Fox. Clearly, it hasn't been John Fox that was kind of doing all this stuff. I mean, it's been it's been Ryan Pace this entire time and just kind of an organizational change as a whole. But I think it works well for them. Um, but as far as the fan experience goes and being, you know, close to the players during camp and really kind of having – um, you know, your your fingers on the pulse during training camp as far as a fan goes and being able to see all this up close and personal. I think that this is going to severely, severely limit the amount of uh, interaction and overall time that Bears fans are going to get to spend watching this team during training camp. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. They did mention, you know, in the email, they're going to try, you know, that there's going to be some public stuff. 
But like, you know, I'm sure not all of our listeners have ever been to House Hall. It's very small near the practice fields. They do have, let's see, they have four outdoor practice fields, one indoor practice field at the Walter Payton Center. However, there's not much room out there. It's not like they can roll out like, you know, 10, 12 sets of bleachers per field and then get all the fans in there. The other thing is there's a limited parking out there as well. So I don't know what they're going to do. I agree, like, it's kind of just, you know, wiping out the fan experience, which sucks because you look on Twitter and, you know, and rightfully so, a lot of fans are mad. I mean, going down the Bourbon 8, it was kind of just like a tradition. You go down there, those restaurants, you know, the hotels, the community really um, rallied around the Bears. It was just, you know, it was kind of fun to be down there. I hated the drive. I will say selfishly, I'm glad it's at Hellas Hall. Um, it's, it's a shorter drive for me, and I'm more familiar with the area. However, I get the frustrations with the fans. There's going to be very, very, very limited um, uh, time for the fans there is, is my guess. Not reporting anything there. Just I just don't think there's a way that they can involve the fans with the limited space. Because if you if if for people those who've not been there, you know there's a two fields in the front, or essentially the back, but it's technically the front. Um, and there's two fields in the way back that they just built. There's only one like type of stands and it's in a little building where they usually take like the suite holders and the sponsors and that can only hold like 30 40 people so they also did say in the email that there's gonna be limited tickets available i'm gonna be very curious to see how limited and how many tickets will be available to the public and my best suggestion is if you want to go to trading camp at house hall i would be on online literally the day that they release tickets uh up to the minute if you want to get a chance because they're probably going to sell it quick the other thing i want to i want to touch on your point there is you're right i mean it's kind of the nfl you know teams are starting to phase out the fans at training camp thing i think the eagles don't do it anymore they have days where like only one or two days where the fans can go um as well as the media too i've talked to some people around the organizations the patriots when they practice they put the media on the opposite corner of the practice field so they can barely see anything down the field and then kansas city is very uptight and tight-lipped about their practice situations at training camp um as well very very limited to the media so yeah overall i think they're just kind of phasing it out but but on the other hand they do have teams like dallas is very wide open oakland has a very wide open training camp um green bay i'm i'm pretty certain has an open training camp so yeah it's gonna be a lot different but I mean, I, I'm in favor of I like it. I, I just – I make the drive there all the time. Uh, however, I do get the fans' frustrations. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, th- there's there's multiple levels of this. And part of me, at least at least to me, I kind of feel bad. Uh, actually, for Bourbon A, right? It's kind of one of those things that football and sports in general, but football especially – brings a lot of revenue to certain places and especially with training camp i mean you're going to get you know the hotels and bourbon a and all that stuff i mean that that's I, I could be wrong i'm not a local to the area but i could be wrong but why the hell would you go to bourbon a otherwise i i don't know like i mean there's some nice houses and stuff over there like yeah I guess not much else there but yeah but there's nothing to do i mean yeah, not much like honestly, I mean, it, it, at least when it, the 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 two times that I went and I was there for four or five days at a time, every single time, all of the beat writers and stuff ended up at the same exact bar. Like we literally every night we ended up at the same bar, 
uh, playing cornhole and people singing karaoke and just basically hanging out. Usually Big Z was in the in the back smoking his, his cigar and, you know, everybody's just hanging out. Like, that was literally it. Like, I don't really there, – there was another restaurant we went to. I can't even remember what the name of it was. Again, not local. Can't remember a lot of the names. But – so yeah, I feel bad, but then again, it's it, and it's a situation where you look at it and it's just like, well, what's the point, you know, of people going there? But then, you know, there's also the side of, you know, the writers like you, you know, like a lot of the beat guys where, I mean, that's that's a lot of money that they're going to save. That's a lot of money that these publishing companies are going to save realistically, um, a lot of time. Um, and it's also probably going to be a lot more comfortable with the players versus staying in college dorm rooms. But yeah, it's just I mean, it's expected, and I understand it, but from a fan's perspective, it's really, I mean, it's just one of those things where, like you pointed out, I mean, the limited availability on tickets, that was the one thing that they kind of slid in there that I thought was interesting was, you know, limited availability on tickets. Well, it's like, we, we know what that means. We know how the Bears organization works under Ryan Pace. We we know that secrecy and basically is, is least, you know, they, if they can keep the outside world uh, you know, as least involved as possible, and then that's exactly what they're going to do. And I think that this is kind of another step in that direction. That's not to speak ill about the Bears organization. That's just the direction that they're going in. And it's kind of more one of those things. I say this because it's it's like I think fans need to be aware of that now versus a few months down the line when people start realizing you're not going to be able to go to camp whenever you want. There's not going to be an unlimited uh, you know amount of tickets where they're hoping to get 15,000, 20,000 people uh, on the, you know, on the fields and, and all that stuff and do it's going to be a very limited capability, like you pointed out. So it's just, it's going to be an adjustment, but I think ultimately for the most part, I think a lot of, a lot of NFL teams have already done it. And I think a lot more are going to do it. It's just going to be one of those things where training camp and the availability of the fans and all that stuff is definitely not going to be what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, especially when you're looking down the road, probably five years from now. Yeah, it'll be the first time since 2001 that the Bears won't have training camp in Bourbon A. Um, it'll take place this year, starting this July. Yeah, it wasn't really much to do in Bourbon A. One of my favorite memories, actually, is kind of a weird memory. Um, I One time I went to that mall out there that has, like, the hibachi grill place. Um, did not eat there. Went to the mall. It was, like, you know, 2, 3 p.m. on, like, a Wednesday or Thursday. Creepiest mall I've ever seen in my life, number one. Number oh, two. yes. Oh, I know the stuff. I know the exact mall you're talking about because there's yeah. all the hotels are around there. Yeah, it's like a it's like Bay Square and like yeah. No, no offense, to like the people in Bourbonnet and the Bears fans, anyone that's listening, I felt like I should have been doing like meth in that mall. It was so run down, and I remember I had to go there because a buddy of mine was getting married, and I had to rent a tuxedo from I don't know one of the tuxedo places, and I don't think there was one around me. So when I was down in Bourbon A, I was like, oh, I'll check. And yeah, what do you know? There was one in Bourbon A in the mall. And it, like, you've seen the mall. It's pretty big. I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, it should be filled with like 100 stores. It's big, but it's run down looking. Like, it's yeah, weird it, looking. It's a prison like looking mall. Yeah, it's like a, it's like, it was stuck in the 80s. It had like that light shade of blue. Yeah. Yep. And there was probably like 10 stores open, and like two of them were Foot Locker. There was like one Foot Locker at one end, one Foot Locker at the other end. And then the suit store, and then like a couple corner stores. It was the worst mall I've ever been, and I've been into some pretty damn bad malls. So I think malls in general are dying. Um, hell, where I grew up, we had a, a huge mall, and it's pretty much dying. Like they're taking out all the stores. So, yeah, that's my favorite like memory of Bourbon A. Uh, going to that, you know, terrible, terrible mall. Other than that, I mean, I've had some good times. Like I've had some good food. There's some actually. There's a hot dog place right across the street from um, where the Bears. 
um, have training camp at Olivet. There's um, God, what else? There's something else. There's another good food place. I totally forgot what it was called. Um, I don't know, like burgers. Oh, and the brewery is pretty good. They also have a Taco John's, which is like, you know, I've, I haven't had Taco John's in like 20 years, and I, I was glad to have it. So yeah, that's my Bourbon A memories. Um, I'm sure I probably won't be back for a long time. No offense to anyone in Bourbon A, but like you said, dude, there's like nothing to do there. Yeah, like, that I mean, it's the same sense. bar. It's the same bar that everyone goes to, and it, it's just yeah, it's crazy, man. But um, that was the biggest news today from the Bears. But there's some other, some other news uh, in the past couple days and weeks here. Uh, which what do you want to get started with first, Aaron? I think I think out of respect, I think it would be a good idea to kind of cover the the Kyle Long thing. Kyle Long. Let's do Kyle Long. Then. So that was um with a Sunday, it was the fifth, I believe something like that. Sunday night, the fifth. Um, Kyle Long pretty much posted on Twitter and Instagram and, and all social platforms that he's hanging up his cleats. He didn't use the word retired. He's stepping away from football and the Bears. Um, but he, I mean, if you look at his tweets before that, he's always said. The only jersey I'll put on is a Bears jersey, so I took that as he's pretty much retiring from football for for good. Um, he's gonna be what 31, I think, this year, and it, it's kind of a move we call, all saw coming. It is, it is. I mean, it's it's one of those. It's it, it's sad because when you look at it, and I know that Kyle's always kind of been a polarizing figure amongst Bears fans. You know, you either love the guy or you're annoyed with him. I mean, there's really. There's not a lot of in between because he's he's a very outspoken he's the guy he's he's got a big personality. Um, I had the chance of getting to know him, um, you know, decently well over the last few years, and I mean he really is a good dude, uh, you know, and, and 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 he loves this franchise. He loves the team. He was here. I mean, for for those who don't remember, I mean, him and Sherrick McManus were the longest tenure Bears on this team, and we know Long's not gonna be back, and it wouldn't surprise me if McManus isn't back either. Um, but I mean, he was there through the. I, th- I think he got because he was there through um, what Emory because Emory yep, drafted Emory. him. Yeah, Trestman. and he was yeah he was there through the Tressman era. He was there through the Fox era. He was there through you know the last two years of the Nagy era. I mean, it was one of those things where I mean he saw. Uh, you know, when they came in with high expectations, well, I mean, the, the year that they went eight and eight and lost, uh, you know, they should have made the playoffs and they lost to the Packers. And then the next year when a lot of people had them as, as playoff contenders, maybe Super Bowl contenders, and then they flopped and then Tressman got fired. And I mean, he went through all the down seasons with Fox. And, you know, then obviously last year he got hurt and then he came back and he started, you know, in the playoffs and obviously they lost. But I mean, this is a guy, you know, for uh, for a lot of Bears fans, it's easy to live in the moment, right? And it's easy to really remember the last, you know, three, four, five years, select years, you know, and and that's kind of where we've all been at, where we've we've seen where things have kind of, you know, they fire Lovey Smith, and you think, okay, well, they need an offensive mind, and things will get better, and then everything falls apart because the defense gets too old, you know. And then we saw the rebuild, and then we saw the high of last year, and then the disappointment of this year, and I mean, Kyle Long was there through all that, so I think it's one of those things where. I'm not going to overrate him and say that he, you know, he's one of the best, you know, best bears of all time because that's clearly not the case. But I do think that when you look at the amount of lows that this team had uh, in his tenure, I think that he deserves a lot of respect for being one of the faces of the team. I mean, it's not very often that an offensive lineman is the face of of the team, but that's where the Bears were at, and he was always, I mean, he was just always there. He was always the, you know, a big fan favorite, very outspoken guy, and. 
you know, unfortunately, he was drafted a little old. I don't think a lot of people liked the draft pick. I know I did, and I was furious with the draft pick when, when Emery made it. And, I mean, he had four really good years until all the injuries started. But it's very unfortunate because, like he said, he's going to be 31 this year. I mean, usually players have still got a, a few years left after that, and especially since he came into the league late. But it's always good to see a guy that at least goes out on his own terms for one, and two, he's going to just simply wear a Bears uniform and that's it. And he takes a lot of pride in that. So I think, like I said, I, I thought that it was good for us to kind of lead coming into the other news with that because, you know, he, he was a big part of this team. Uh, you know, a lot of that was the downturn of the Bears and kind of the lowest, some of the lowest moments that they've had in their franchise's history. But, I mean, Kyle Long was there through the highs and the lows, and, and I definitely think that's worth noting, and and, and I, I think I, I think fans should respect that, I, I guess is really what I'm trying to say. I mean, again, he wasn't one of the greatest Bears players, but I do think that he was one of the more likable and one of the, one of the darkest times of the franchise. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, he lived through, he played, through, not well, obviously lived, but he played through the, um, the Emory Tressman era, he played through the John Fox era. He's been here for Matt Nagy. Um, it just kind of seemed like, you know, he was fantastic his first three years. They moved him to the right tackle. He gets hurt. Um, he's been bugged by injuries. But it's also kind of like there was like a little disconnect between him and the franchise once Pace or Nagy and Pace kind of took over last season with Nagy. Um, I don't know. For whatever I mean, like, he was in a house hall when he was on injured reserve. He expressed, you know, in a tweet that, he played all the reps against the Oakland Raiders and then was put on IR. He kind of didn't like how that was handled is what I got from it. Um, he returned to House Hall finally to pick up his jersey and his pads and all that stuff after the season when you hear, you know, Akeem Hicks was around the entire you know time when he was hurt. It's just it kind of sucks how it ended because I feel like this not on good terms between him and, and the front office or head coach. I, I mean, that's just speculation on my part. I could be completely wrong. Just kind of the vibe I got from it. But, yeah, I mean, respected guard in the NFL. A um, couple of Pro Bowls under his belt. Yeah, like you said, he wasn't the greatest bear ever, but he's going to be one that you're, you're going to look back on the decade, the 2010s, and be like, okay, Kyle Long's probably one of the better players on those rosters um, since he was drafted in the first round. And like you said, a lot of people didn't like the pick at first, you know, due to his background and what happened at Florida State and Oregon. Um you know, ever, the, this came after the Shea McClellan draft, too. It was a year after Shea McClellan was drafted, and, and some even said it was a worse pick than Shea McClellan. Uh, however, it didn't turn out to be that. I mean, Long was just fantastic. And, and you're right, I'm glad we kind of started with that because now it saves some Bears some cap space here um, going into 2020. And that's why I said it was kind of predictable because as it stands here, the Bears are probably going to have right now what $7.75 million projected to have. They'll free up some more cap space, um, potentially with some cuts coming up. The other thing that kind of impacts the cap here is um, Eddie Jackson's new contract. So he signed a new deal, uh, um, a new agreement with the Bears a couple weeks ago, contract extension, um, four extra years. And the Bears somehow managed to only have his cap hit in 2020 at, I think it's around, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's like around $3.4 million. Um, they, they managed to keep the original cap and then add on just like $1.2 million off of it um, for 2020. But now they got their safety of the future locked up. He's here an extra four more years, and uh, that was pretty big to get done um, this offseason. 
I, I definitely agree. Uh, I think the one thing I will say is Eddie Jackson was clearly not as good as he was uh, in 2018. The one thing I will say is I don't think a lot of that was on him. I think that Chuck Pagano and the front office in general would be very smart to put Eddie Jackson back as the center fielder of this defense. Put him back at free safety. He's not a strong safety. Uh, I thought HaHa Clinton Dix had a pretty pretty solid year for the Bears. Uh, not nearly good enough to continue to play Eddie Jackson out of position, in my opinion. Uh, but, I, I mean, it definitely made sense, and this is kind of something that uh, we kind of internally talked about before, and I think both of us expected him to get well over $15 million a year. And it's one of those things a lot of people are going to look at it, at least with annual average value. They're going to look at it, and they're going to say, oh, well, he's the highest-paid safety. One, yes, kind of, you know, when you factor in the last year of his rookie deal and how everything's going to be kind of spread out. Uh, but two, that ain't going to last long because you got Jamal Adams coming up. You got Justin Simmons who's going to get paid. Uh, I mean, there's there's going to be some there's going to be some guys getting paid. I honestly think that this is a very good deal for both sides. Um, Eddie Jackson was a little bit older of a rookie than most guys coming out of the draft, but I mean, he's still one of those guys where it makes a ton of sense to extend him, um, and it's not really going to hurt them a ton. And that's kind of. This kind of goes back to why you don't get Adrian Amos nine and a half million or whatever that whatever it was that he got you know per year from the Packers is because you knew that you were going to have to pay uh, Eddie Jackson at some point and Adrian Amos actually has had a pretty good year for the Packers uh, but at the same time he's still not the same playmaker that Eddie Jackson is and I mean that was very clear then it still is. You know, that's not a knock on Amos at all. I'm just saying just just in general, um, Eddie Jackson was the guy that they always wanted to keep. And it makes a ton of sense. He's got a ton of value. He's a leader on that defense. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's it, the, the extension makes a lot of sense. And I think that from a overall value standpoint, I, I do think it makes good sense for both sides. And I think I, I would label it absolutely as a good deal on both sides. That was one of the three things I had in my checklist too for the Bears offseason. I thought they were going to do. I thought they would extend Eddie Jackson, extend Eddie or Allen Robinson, and before you know Pace had his press conference with the fifth year option, I thought they were definitely going to pick up Mitchell Trubisky's fifth year option because essentially it doesn't cost them anything unless it's injury guaranteed. Um, the numbers on Jackson's contract though: four years, fifty-eight million dollars, um, thirty-three million worth of total guarantees. But again, the cap hit in twenty twenty is pretty small and it's very favorable to the bears cap space in a year where they don't have a lot of cap space going into the offseason. So pace being able to work that and, and getting that down um, definitely helps. You know, you look at 2021 though, it's going to jump up the cap hits 11 million, um, 11.4 million and 13.5 million, 15.5 and 16.5. They do have a potential out um, after 2022. Um, which will be interesting. I don't see him getting out of that because you know you you pay Eddie Jackson. He's a cornerstone to the corner stone to this defense. Man, I'm having a hard time talk tonight, but <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Uh, before we get on to the coaching stuff, though, let's take our last break of the show. We'll be right back after this. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp. Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome into the Bear Report Podcast. Aaron, let's wrap things up with 
probably the biggest news um, over the past week. I think the last time we talked, we did the the, the Bears did have the hiring of um, Juan Castillo announced as um, offensive line coach when we talked. But they have now since added two more coaches. They have one more vacancy to fill as assistant special teams coach. Um, but yeah, since the last episode, the Bears hired Clancy Barone um, as tight ends coach. He brings in um, 32 years of coaching experience, 15 in the NFL, 17 at the collegiate level. And in the news yesterday, Brad Biggs was all over early in the morning. Ian Rappaport pretty much confirmed it at night. Um, the Bears had their OC. They have the replacement for Mark Helfrich. Um, it is Bill Lazor, who has spent numerous years in the NFL, most recently with the Cincinnati Bengals in 2018 as their offensive coordinator. Early thoughts on this hiring, Aaron? I, you know, I think it's on paper. I think it's probably a little underwhelming for most fans just because, you know, the talk had kind of been Pat Shermer and, you know, uh, Jeff Hughes, of the Bears blog had kind of said, you know, the, the Bears thought they had Pat Shermer wrapped up. And, and I absolutely 100% believe that because Jeff is rarely, if ever wrong on information like that. I think ultimately what happens is this. I think that, uh, when Eric B uh, when it became clear that he was not getting a head coaching job, the OC of the, the, the chiefs, I think it, it, it really made a lot of sense because the bears were one of the only openings that really made sense for Shermer in terms of, uh, Andy Reid ties. And then all of a sudden you had the Eagles, fired Mike grow and then next thing you know all of a sudden uh you know all, all of a sudden everything else starts going on and you know the next thing you know there's another oc position open and then there there goes pat Shermer. it's just one of those situations where you know on, you know vic fangio got him in, in denver which that was a shock that that scangrillo got fired after one year not the point here but it's just one of those situations where things develop so quickly, especially with the the coaching situation. I think the thing to kind of keep in mind here is a few things, right? Okay, the Bears, you know, wh- whether fans like this or not, this this is really uh, kind of a harsh reality. But here we are, right? The Bears have one of the worst quarterback situations in the entire league. I don't think that there's very many people who feel remotely good about Trubisky being the starting quarterback. They don't have any other quarterback under contract right now. There's a lot of uncertainty as to what they're going to do, whether they're going to bring in a veteran to push Trubisky, if they're going to go out and sign a trade for somebody, if they're going to somehow make a move and maybe you know draft, you know trade both second round picks and somehow get back into the let's just say the top twenty that you know the the back into the top twenty um, and draft a quarterback. Maybe that falls like a Jordan Love. I don't know. I I, I have no clue what their plan is there what i will say is it's not a good situation then you combine that with the fact that matt nagy's going in year three i don't think he or ryan pacer you know on the proverbial hot seat by any means but when you look at matt nagy he's going to be calling plays and i don't think he's going to relinquish that anytime soon that's something that we've kind of known for a while so when you're pat Shermer and you have options and you look at it and you say okay he could go to philly he's going to have about the same amount of control but he's going to be working with a better quarterback and really a better offense overall um in a, in a, in a you know a team that's made the playoffs last three years and it won the super bowl three years ago uh or three seasons ago and then you look at it and you say okay with denver uh maybe denver doesn't have a ton of talent and maybe they got you know kind of a question at quarterback although drew lock looked pretty damn good when he started um, and you know, but he's going to be calling plays there and he's going to have the control of the offense, which he would have had very little control of the offense in Chicago. And I think kind of the other thing to remember too here, especially with a guy like Pat Shermer is this, 
He's not getting another head coaching job. He has failed miserably twice as a head coach. He's not getting another. He's not getting another head coaching opportunity. The, the chances of a guy getting a third opportunity after failing that miserably twice, very, very, very unlikely. Here's the issue for Pat Shermer: is if he goes to a you know a, a situation like the Bears, an OC situation like the Bears, and let's say the Bears do stick with Trubisky, Trubisky fails, they end up firing everybody. All of a sudden, Shermer's looking for another job. That's not really something you want to have on your resume because then all of a sudden you may be going from an OC to a quarterback's coach or you know a tight ends coach or you know a position coach in general. It makes more sense for Pat Shermer to be able to have full control of what he's doing on offense, uh, even if it's less familiarity with a guy like Vic Fangio than it does with the Bears situation. So, again, this isn't doom and gloom for the Bears. It's just simply saying that I don't know that there's a ton of value and going to be a ton of uh, overall responsibility for the offensive coordinator as a whole. I think this is really more about trying to rein Matt Nagy in, to have better ideas, uh, to be able to line up more with his core concepts than a guy like Mark Helfrich did um, and stuff like that. So, I mean, only time's going to tell on that. Uh, I was hoping for a better hire than Laser, at least on paper. But again, we we won't really know until we see how it all pans out. But I will tell you one thing. I definitely think this is going to ramp up speculation, um, you know, with, with Andy Dalton kind of being that uh, maybe that veteran stopgap type of option to at least come in and, and push Trubisky. And, yeah, I mean, I would have liked the big hire, like a Pat Shermer, a Mike Kafka, something like that. However, I mean, so we have really gotten our hopes up. I mean, for someone to come in and work under Nagy, so, you know, like those two candidates, and not call the plays was going to be a little unrealistic. I mean, yeah, Shermer was connected to the Bears and reports. I trust the reports out there. However, it's like, you know, they probably wanted to come in and call the plays. Nagy's not going to give up the play calling duties. Um, he's already expressed that he won't do that. It's going to take a miracle. Someone from up top to kind of tell Nagy, you're not going to be calling the plays for it to ever happen. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems kind of like a disappointing hire on paper. Um, but we really shouldn't have expected, you know, or, or got our hopes up very high. He does have experience with, the, with quarterbacks. Um, you know, in addition to being the offensive corner, he's been a quarterback's coach. Um, he's worked with Nick Foles. In Philadelphia, uh, I believe Foles had like 28, 29 touchdowns to just a couple interceptions in his time with um, under um, Laser. He also had, um, I think it was in Miami as well with Ryan Tannehill. And then, you know, in 2018, the Bengals, a lot of people forget they were 4-1. Andy Dalton was playing very well. They're averaging over 30 points per game. And everything that I've read so far and done my research on is, is he seems to like the RPO system, the RPO, you know, that, that Matt Nagy is going to want to run and that we've seen Matt Nagy run here so far in his two years with Chicago. I, it's not a splash hire. It's not a firework hire. You're not going to go crazy over it. Um, however, you know, we shouldn't have expected someone that's going to come in and, and not want, you know, a big offensive coordinator that's not going to call plays. It just wasn't realistic. This is another guy that Nagy, I don't like to use the term like yes man because I think Mark Helfrich was more of like a yes man in Nagy's offense. I think Laser will have a little more input on it. Um, but again, we have to see moving forward. And also, how's this going to affect the run game? Because, you know, they did fire two coaches, Helfrich and um, Heastan, because of their roles in the run game. That's another thing we have to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, and that's, and that, I think that's kind of the big thing here is you just want somebody to balance Nagy out. And. I don't know. It, it's just, you know, this is kind of a, I try to, I try to stay level headed. I try to stay positive. Um, 
and I mean, we went in this offseason, and I think we kind of both felt the same way, that one of the two needs a change with the play calling or quarterback situation. I always felt the quarterback situation was probably the more likely of the two to change because I didn't think Matt Nagy was going to give up play calling. Uh, so, I mean, obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the quarterback situation, but man, it, it's just one of those, you, as a Bears fan, you want to see those good hires. You want to see those big name hires. Uh, and obviously that didn't end up working out like you pointed out with Shermer or Kafka. Uh, but I think the combination of just the quarterback situation and the, the you know, the, the play calling duties still going to Nagy, that those are two big things. So right now at this point, you have to hope that with Juan Castillo and with Bill Lazor and, and, and with the obvious adjustments they need to make, I don't really know how else to put it. I mean, the run game was terrible. Um, the pass blocking was not good enough. Their blocking scheme as a whole just didn't make a ton of sense to me. So I think getting that under control and getting the run game to at least a league average I think will definitely help. But again, I don't know how much a lot of this means without – a lot better quarterback play. I mean, that's really just what it comes down to. I mean, yeah, they can run the ball better and all this stuff, and people can point to, you know, how successful Tennessee's been in the playoffs. But thing is, is I like David Montgomery, but he's not Derrick Henry. I mean, let's just be honest about that. And and you know, so it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Again, I'm not saying you know this is this is a sinking ship and blah blah, but what I am saying is it's quite understandable why the Bears weren't able to pull in a sexy name, at least on paper. And again, there's still just, there's a lot to figure out. The Bears have a lot to figure out, and this defense is still going to be good. Uh, I, I definitely think that they, they need to make a few moves. they got some decisions they need to make. Uh, but again, the success of this team going into next year is going to rely again on the offense. They can't have the same kind of production that they had and expect that they're going to be a better team even with an easier schedule. I mean, their, their schedule really wasn't crazy hard this year like a lot of people projected it to be. But again, it's it's one of those that the offense has to get better and it still relies mostly on the quarterback situation. Obviously, play calling will, will be part of it. The The run game will be part of it. The blocking will be part of it. But as we've seen in the playoffs with guys like Deshaun Watson, you know, some of these other offensive lines, I mean, Russell Wilson was the same way. That dude runs for his life all the time. And, and every year he's successful. And the same thing with Deshaun Watson. I mean, they, at some point the excuse is going to run out, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, regardless of the fact, they still need a lot better quarterback play. And I think that's really the only way that everything starts looking better because with a bad quarterback, you're always going to be able to pinpoint everything. The defense is going to be able to key in on the run game because they don't have any respect for the pass. Uh, play calling is going to look really bad when your quarterback's not making the right reads, when your receivers are either giving up on routes or not running the right routes in certain situations, stuff like that. I mean, I, again, I think a lot of this is going to look a hell of a lot better if they have better quarterback play. And whether that comes from Trubisky or somebody from the outside, I still think that is absolutely the key to this entire offseason. Any success – that they plan on having in the near future is going to rely solely on the quarterback position. 100% agree. And what's interesting is um, Laser coached both um, Annie Dalton and A.J. McCarron, two quarterbacks that are likely going to be available uh, this offseason. So the Bears, there's some connections there if the Bears want to go that route. Um, I don't know how I feel about McCarron or Dalton yet. I haven't really done enough research on the quarterback options. Obviously, but yeah, it goes back to what you said, man. It's just someone to get into Nagy's ear to kind of guide him, inform him. And speaking of that, I thought the Bears had that. I thought that's what Brad Childers was supposed to be when he joined the staff. Um, last was it last year? And 
it just never worked out that way. And now this morning, you know, we get the news that Brad Chillis won't be back, which is, okay, that's big news, but it's also like, well, I mean, what did he really do here? He was an offensive assistant. We never got to see him, never got to really talk to him, never met the media. And from that, what we've seen is, and what I could take away is, maybe he wasn't in Nagy's ear as much as we'd like, you know, would have liked him to be because if he was a smart offensive mind like that, no discredit to Brad Childress, you know, why wasn't he alerting Matt Nagy, hey, maybe we should run the ball more, hey, maybe this run scheme isn't working as good as we thought it would be. Instead, you know, you got Heastan and Helfrich taking the fall for it, and now Childress leaves the staff. I'm just wondering how how much laser will be in Nagy's ear, especially in the run game. Um, as far as, you know, the tight end coach, we could touch on it just a tad. I don't think it matters who's the coach right now. I think it's going to come down to two things. Trey Burton has to stay healthy. He has to get healthy and stay and be consistent. They're not going to cut him, trade him, anything like that. Too big of a cap hit. Adam Sheen's probably not going to be on this roster when come week one. I think Ryan Pace is going to have to do everything he can with us through the draft, free agency, maybe even a trade to get multiple tight end options in here and figure this position out. He can't just, you know, hope that he lands someone in the draft and that's it and hit a home run. He's got to hit a home run. He's got to get a proven tight end, whether that's through free agency with someone like Austin Hooper, um, Hunter Henry, Eric Ebron, and the three names being thrown out there. He's got to secure the position. And, and until he does that, I mean, no offense to, to Clancy Barone, I don't think it really matters who's the tight end coach in Chicago. Well, yeah, you got to have talent to work with. And I think one of the other things that's kind of worth mentioning on the tight ends real quick is, and this is something that I noticed over the last few games of the season, maybe you noticed it too, Eric Sauber got a lot more playing time down the stretch than Jesper Horstead did. And granted, obviously, Horstead was called up because they had literally injuries to all three of their top tight ends that all went on IR. But I don't think that Horstead's one of those guys that you're going to want to count on down the line is even death at this point. I could see them potentially cutting ties with Broniker just because I don't know that you're going to want to pay a dude $2 million a year uh, to basically do nothing. I mean, not that he's a bad player by any means, but again, when you're talking about they're going to be pretty tight against the cap, they're going to have to do some maneuvering anyway. Any, anywhere that you can save a dime, you probably have to do it at this point um, and, and kind of rework that tight end room a little bit. It will be interesting. Uh, if it was me personally, I'm going out. And if you can get a guy like Ebron on a cheaper deal, just because I don't think that he's really a long-term solution, just because I don't think his health's really that good. I mean, his health never really has been that good. And outside of the, uh, the, the one year with the Colts back in 2018, he really has never been a consistently good tight end. So he's one of those guys that, okay, he definitely helps at the right price, but again, it's at the right price. Uh, but I do think that this is kind of one of those years where I think they do need to go out and draft a tight end. I think the big thing to keep in mind with drafting a tight end, even if you use one of your second-round picks, is this. Most rookie tight ends do not have a big impact. So I think that's another thing to kind of keep in mind. I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, they should they should definitely – uh, go out and, 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 and draft one of these you know top tight ends in, in the second round. And I, and, I, and I don't disagree, but I just think that there needs to be realistic expectations when you're tying it in with a rookie tight end because it's a very hard position to translate on multiple levels. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of something to keep in mind. But, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you got to have talent to work with as a coach. I mean, you can't just create it out of nothing. And 
the Bears don't have a lot of that right now, and I don't know about you, but I don't have any trust in Trey Burton right now either. I mean, even it, it just seems like it's been one thing after another. I don't know. I, I don't know what the heck it is, but it's like he had that one bad game on Thanksgiving, and it just kind of seemed like things spiraled from there. And then obviously, you know, the story with the playoff game, and then he clearly wasn't nearly a hundred percent. I just it it almost kind of makes you wonder if this is going to be something that's going to just going to continue to linger regardless if he has surgery or not. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, yeah, he did have the surgery in, or in during the season, so it's like, you know, they said that his timetable is going to be training camp. We heard that last season as well, and he really didn't do much at training camp, and he didn't play week one, so. And he re-aggravated it. He yeah, re-aggravated, he re-aggravated, like, what, two, pr- two practices in or something? Uh, very early in training camp. I think it might have been, yeah, but like, like the first practice, first or second practice. Yeah, so I guess that's my point. Like, regardless of the surgery, I mean, he had the same thing last year. I mean, this is literally the same exact thing he had last year. Yep. It's like, regardless of the surgery, you don't know what you're going to get from the guy. Yeah, I mean, he's got to stay healthy, and you can't count him, like you said. That's why, I mean, you got to you got to draft a tight end, probably have to look for one in free agency. You're going to have to do, like, a complete overhaul, because you look at who's on the tight end. You Eric Sauber, Jesper Horstead, Ben Broniker, J.P. Holtz. I mean, how many of those are you, are you really going to bring back? Uh, I would I keep think- Holtz. I, I thought it was actually Colts as well. He's yeah. he's definitely like a good third or fourth, right? He's got he's one of those guys he's going. I think he's gonna be an exclusive rights free agent. He makes more sense to keep as your third tight end than a guy like Ben Broniker. And opinion. he can play and he can play fullback. We've seen him line up as fullback a couple times. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I don't know. You gotta strike in free agency with, with a a legit pass catching tight end. You gotta get a blocking tight end in there. It's just they got it's like the position's such a mess. It's just and you look like I don't want to talk too much on Onyx. I'm going to wrap this up, but you look at like, look at the offenses that are kind of associated with the Bears. You know, the two main ones, Philadelphia, Kansas City. You would throw in like San Francisco. They all three have legit star tight ends, and in, and I'm not saying it's going to make the Bears a Super Bowl contender, but it makes your offense so much more easier to run and, and for the quarterback to have a legit tight end to throw to. It helps. It's not going to turn Trubisky into a star or anything like that. It just it helps to have a guy like you know George Kittle. Um, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey. I don't think the Bears are going to find one this year. I don't either. I think that's kind of one of those things you develop. Uh, but again, I mean, if you're if you if you're going to stick with Trubisky, and I, I'm still not sold that they're going to do that. And I hate even saying that, man. Like, well, I, I mean, I even even if like you go with a, a different quarterback, even if you go with like a veteran or or a rookie, I mean, still having that tight end in that in this type of yeah. offense is so key. No, I agree, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, regardless, but especially if you stick with Trubisky, you, you need to have. I'm sorry, but you just you 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 have to you have to do a hell of a lot better at the tight end position. And the the issue, the bigger issue I have here with the tight end position, is not that Ryan Pace is barely thrown any resources into it. It's just something that they're getting around to. I mean, he spent a second round pick on Adam Shaheen. He spent big money on Trey Burton. He's, I mean, he, he signed, uh, you know, he, he gave Ben Broniker an extension. I mean, he's, he's done a pretty good amount at the position and has just failed miserably. Like, it's not even, it's like, okay, you know, Burton had those, he had a good first half of the year in 2018. That was it. Then ever since then, he kind of disappeared. I think he had like one good game after that. And then last year he was a complete non-factor. Adam Shaheen is awful at football. I'm sorry. The dude may be a nice guy, whatever it is. He's terrible at football. It's just that simple. Like he's not he's not even a factor. So it's it's one of those things like Ryan Pace has taken big swings and he's missed. 
And that's kind of like that's that's where it gets frustrating because you you pointed out those teams. You pointed out the teams like Kansas City. You pointed out the teams like Philadelphia where they already have Zach Ertz. And like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to go out. We're going to spend a you know, we're going to spend a second round pick on Dallas Goddard. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. And they trade. If I remember right, they traded up right in front of right in front of the Cowboys to get him. It's it's one of those things where you have to be able to identify the talent and. And again, like if you're going to have somebody like Trubisky, if you're really going to say we're going to give this guy a fourth year, we're not even going to really bring in competition, anything like that, the absolute best that you can do for yourself is at least put more pieces around him. And like he pointed out, tight end is huge in this offense. And the Bears need not one, but probably two or three options, at least two solid options, and probably a third, you know, as, as you know, like a J.P. Holtz. I, I have no issue with the Holtz. I mean, I think they have enough on the roster where they can do, you know, tight ends t- three and four. Um, but I wouldn't count on Trey Burton at all. Uh, I would go out and sign somebody in free agency, not a crazy amount of money by any means, but I'd sign a, a like a stopgap veteran in free agency, and I'm drafting one pretty decently high. Yeah, I'm with you. Whatever you got to do to fix a position, man, you just yeah, you have to. You just it's just so frustrating watching what they towed out there every week. You know, in 2019, it was. You gotta find someone, um, Aaron. That, that'll do things here. Where can everyone follow you on um, Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lenning NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach C A C K underscore Pearson, and you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. Read my work on the Bear Report as well. Um, we'll be back hopefully next week, maybe the week after, with um, another episode, depending on what goes on with the Bears. Uh, then we'll kind of ramp into free agency draft talk, all of that. Um, we also have our Picks for Pace podcast that is run by two writers on the website. Make sure to check that out. Um, rate review both podcasts um, and kind of help us get things going here. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.